Hello and welcome to The Whistler from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. I am The Whistler, and I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Tonight, it's the Whistler's strange story, Design for Murder. The trio in the railroad station cocktail lounge seemed typical of many groups awaiting the departures of their train. They were Charles Gilbert, his wife Edna, and her close friend, Myrene Walker, who chatted ceaselessly, voicing her envy at not being able to join Edna on the trip. Myrene loved trains, loved desert vacation resorts. In fact, she seemed to love everything. Charles, on the other hand, seemed lost in thought or patient resignation until... I wish you weren't so anxious to have me out of town, Charles. Well, now, what do you mean by that? Well, you seem very insistent. And at a time when the business needs me so. <laughs> How do you like that, Myrene? She doesn't want to go. Thinks the jewelry business will go to pot. Thinks her husband plans a rendezvous with another woman. <laughs> oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> drink your drink, Edna. You too, Charles. We'll all feel better. I'd feel better if I knew why you can't go along, Charles. I told you I'll be busy. Also, I want you to go alone. You'll rest more. And you do need it. Look at her, Myrene, not able to keep her hands still. Doodling on the menu. Give me that pen. Oh, sorry. I'm always doodling. It's a design I was thinking of. A piece of costume jewelry. Well, stop thinking of anything like that. And since it's going to bother you, I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to be doing, dear. It was to be a surprise. A surprise? Mm-hmm. We talked about a beach house, remember? On Lido Isle? I remember talking about it. Well, I bought one. A beautiful place. I'm having it all remodeled inside. I have to be there. Charles, you didn't. I did. <laughs> oh, don't be too grateful because, uh, well, it's mostly your money. Well, I don't care as a thought. Charles, I feel much better about the trip now. You do? Well, then give me your handkerchief. Look at it, Myrene. What? Torn to shreds by Edna. When she's not doodling, she's tearing up her handkerchief. She's got to be doing something every minute. And she wonders why I want her to rest. My dear, you're going to relax or I'll know the reason why. I'm sorry. Finally, she leaves on the train, doesn't she, Charles? And you're free. You see Myrene to a cab. Hurry back to the cocktail lounge. Go directly to a corner booth and slip in beside someone who's been waiting for you. Not too patient. I'm sorry, Helen. Oh, darling, I am too. Sorry that we have to practice this, this deception. Mm. Kiss me. Oh, dear, we really shouldn't be here. I... Mm. Here, I ordered you a drink. <laughs> I can use it. Well, at least we'll have some time together, uninterrupted. You're sure Edna will stay away for a while? Mm-hmm. 
She's gone for a month. It wasn't fun watching you kiss her goodbye. Oh, I know. Or someday. I hope it's soon, Charlie. Look, I'll pick you up tomorrow. We'll drive down to the place at Lido Wire. Oh, you'll love it. <laughs> I, um, I've been using quite a few of your ideas in redecorating the place. It sounds wonderful. It is. <laughs> well, come on. I'll drive you home. <laughs> She's an exciting girl, isn't she, Charles? You have difficulty getting around to saying goodnight to Helen. And only the thought of seeing her again the next day finally makes it possible. It's quite late when you arrive back home and let yourself into the house. You're scarcely inside when... That's odd. Who could that be? Myrene. Yes, little Myrene. I'd like to come in, Charles. I want to talk to you. Why, of course. I'll come straight to the point. It wasn't a very pretty sight, Charles, seeing you kiss that girl right after bidding Edna goodbye. Oh, why... Uh... Go on. Make it good. Oh, you wouldn't say anything to her about this, would you? That depends on you. I don't suppose you've made any dates for the future with her. Oh, certainly not. Hmm. You know, Charles, you weren't kidding when you made that remark about Edna's money. You've had it pretty easy since becoming her business manager. And now her husband. Myrene, this girl means nothing. I swear it. I won't see her again. Look, in a few days, you and Arthur drop down to the place at Lita Wild. You'll see all that I'm doing for Edna. I'll take you around the place. We can relax, go for a swim. I don't and... swim, Charles. When my best friend's husband starts two-timing her, I don't feel like relaxing either. Irene, I've told you, I'm I not... heard you, and I've told you, Charles. You stay away from that girl. In just 30 seconds, the Whistler will continue tonight's story. Don't be half right. Use USAFI. For example, how many amendments in our United States Constitution make up the Bill of Rights? Would you say five? No, that's only half right. Brush up on your American government. Tell your I&E officer you want to study with the United States Armed Forces Institute, USAFI. It's easy. It's simple. If you don't want to be half right... Use Yusafi. And now, back to the whistler. It's going badly, isn't it, Charles? Myrene knows about your girlfriend, Helen. She knows that it was more than husbandly concern that prompted you to encourage your wife, Edna, to leave town on a vacation. A rest cure for her nervousness. Myrene has always been Edna's best friend. And she'll tell her the truth if you don't do something to reassure her that you don't intend to see Helen again. You wish you could contact Helen, prevent her from keeping her date with you the following day at the house on Lido Isle. 
And you're terribly nervous all the time she's there with you. What is it, Charlie? You haven't heard anything I've said. Oh, yes, I have, Helen. It's just... uh, Well, I'm a little jumpy. Well, I thought with your wife out of town... Helen, we've got to talk about that. It, um... It isn't as perfect as it seems. Oh? A friend of Edna's, Myrene Walker... She knows about us. Knows what about us? Well, not everything, of course. Uh, She thinks it's a casual thing that we're old friends, happen to run into one another. But... But if she continues to see us together... That's right. She'll go to Edna. Now, Helen, we, uh... We've got to forget about it for a while. Forget about it? Well, you know I don't mean that exactly. I guess not. You promised me you were going to talk to Edna... Ask for a divorce. I know, and I intend to, but it can't be right away, Helen. I have my reasons. Right now, it's important that you leave, that we're not seen together. Well, all right, Charlie. I won't need a second invitation. Well, now, wait a minute. I've waited long enough as it is. Quite long enough. Goodbye. But, Helen, I... Goodbye, She's gone, isn't she, child? And only a few moments later, you hear her car start up and roar away. And you're alone. Alone in the house that you were supposed to be remodeling for your wife, Edna. And as the hours of the afternoon drag by into the night, you find yourself hating the place. And you'll always hate it. Unless somehow, soon, the house can be yours and Helen. Just how you're going to bring that about isn't quite clear to you yet, is it? How you'll uh, get rid of your wife, Edna. It's on your mind all the next day. And that evening as you sit alone at the beach home, you're still thinking about it. When suddenly you're aware of a noise outside. Irene? Well, well. This is a surprise. Uh, Hello, Charles. Snooping around, will you? Oh, all right. Call it that if you want. (laughs) You're wasting your time, really. I'm quite alone. Are you? Of course. Come on in, Irene. I'd like to show you around the place. Like a child caught at the cookie jar, Myrene follows you inside. She's nervous, ill at ease, avoids your gaze as you show her about the house. And then finally, the two of you end up at the boat land. Well, what do you think of it, Myrene? Well, it's very nice, Charles. You think Edna will like it? No, I don't. This isn't the sort of house Edna would like at all. It just doesn't suit her personality, let's say. Really? I'm sure there isn't a thing here that would interest her. Outside of that unusual painting in the living room. Now, that's rather nice, isn't it? Uh, impressionistic, I believe they call that sort of thing. To me, it looked almost like a dragon about to devour something. Well, Edna likes offbeat things like that. I bought it especially for her. A surprise. Oh, really, Charles? Just what does that mean? May I be blunt? Please, feel free. You didn't buy this house for Edna. When does Helen move in? Now, see here, Myrene. You see here. It's a glamorous place, Charles. Exciting. 
to just match her baby blue eyes. Irene, you're going You're to... not fooling me for one minute. You won't fool Edna either. She's going to know all about this. You're not going to tell her about Helen. Edna's my best friend. Irene, I think I've had just about enough of your meddling. Such a wait. Just about enough. You stay away from me. I ought to wring your neck, you little snoop. No, Charles. Charles! As she turns and starts to run, Irene trips. You reach out to grab her, but you're too late. And she plunges off the end of the boat land. You stand there, staring down at her, struggling in the water. She can't swim, Charles. She'll drown if you don't help her. And you don't help her, do you, Charles? Two hours later, you're back in your house in town, where you await the inevitable call. Hello? Mr. Gilbert? Yes? Frank Stanley, over on East Shore, one of your neighbors? Oh, yes, yes, Mr. Stanley. Good morning. Uh, would have called you sooner, except to have the devil's own time getting hold of your phone number uh, up there in town. Oh, what is it? Something wrong? Uh, well, yeah, a woman drowned off the island last night. What's that? Yeah, fished her out of the water a couple hours ago. Tom Jenkins, you know, he runs a gas station, said this woman asked directions to your place last night. To my place? I thought you'd probably know her. Police found a purse on your boat landing. Identified her as Myrene Walker. Myrene. Good Lord, Myrene. Uh, you do know her? Uh, yes. Yes, she's a very dear friend of my wife. I'm terribly sorry, Mr. Gilbert. Well, this probably wouldn't have happened if I'd been out there last night. I, I'd planned to, but business kept me here in town. Myrene must have come out to visit us, wandered around in the dark. Yeah, that's the way I figured, too. Well... Uh, thank you. Thank you for calling, Mr. Stanley. I'll get in touch with my wife right away. You smile, don't you, Charles, as you hang up the receiver? It's all over now. Myrene is dead. You could have saved her, but you didn't. You couldn't have her telling your wife about Helen, could you? Later that day, you send a wire to Edna at the resort. Inform her that you have some bad news. Ask her to return immediately. And that evening, you're back at the house on Lido Isle. As you hurry up the path, you're startled to see a light burning in the living room. Helen. Yes. She's probably paid you a surprise visit. Good evening, Charles. Uh, Edna. I found the key under the mat, so I came on in. I've been waiting hours for you. But, uh, I don't understand. I sent the telegram only a few hours ago. Telegram? You must have missed me. I left the resort this morning. But, but why? Here. Perhaps this will explain. A letter? Myrene sent it to me. Myrene? Yes, Myrene. She told me all about your little... friend, Helen. Oh, now, Edna, surely you don't believe... Myrene it. wouldn't lie. But, Edna, listen, you I... You didn't bother to deny it, Charles. But you've got to let me explain. Let's drop the matter here and now. You see, Charles, I've thought it over very carefully. I've decided to forgive you. Forgive me? Yes. I'm really much more to blame for Helen than you are. Uh, I don't understand. Perhaps I drove you to her. I haven't been a very good wife, Charles. More than a little neglectful. 
thinking too much about business and not enough about us, our home, our marriage. Well, we haven't been as close in the past few years as we used to be, have I know, I know. It's my fault. I'm willing to forget all this, Charles. But, of course, you must forget Helen. Oh, of course. Fix me a drink, will you? I could use one. All right. <laughs> I could use one myself. Charles. Yes? You said something about a telegram. Oh. Yes. Yes. Well? Bad news, I'm afraid. It's about Myrene. What's happened? Well, apparently she came out here last night while I was in town. While she was wandering around outside in the dark, she, she fell off the boat landing. What? She drowned, Edna. The police recovered her body this morning. My reason. Drowned? Easy now, darling. Oh, it's a terrible shock, I know. Here, this will help. Oh, Charles. Poor dear. Oh, if I'd been here, I don't suppose it would have happened. At least the lights at the boat landing would have been on. And Wait a moment. You said you were in town. Yes, at the house all evening. But you weren't. What? You weren't at the house in town. I know because I called you from the resort half a dozen times. There was no answer. But I tell you, Edna, Where I were you last the... night? Charles, where were you when Myrene had her accident? Answer me. L listen, Edna, I was You were I here wasn't... when Myrene came. She knew about Helen and you were afraid she'd tell me. You didn't know she'd already sent me this letter, did you? Did you? All right. All right, so I was here. And Myrene's death wasn't so accidental, was it? Wait a minute. Where are you going? To the sheriff's office. Edna, listen. Let go of me, Charles. I didn't have a thing to do with Myrene's death. You've got to believe me. It was an accident. Well, let the police decide that. No. Let go, I said. No, Edna. You're not going to the police. Charles. Charles. Don't look at me like that. What you... Edna. She's fainted, hasn't she, Charles? And looking down at Edna, lying unconscious before you, a thought suddenly occurs to you. It's a way out, isn't it? A way out for you and Helen. Quickly, you pick up the folded sheet of paper, the letter Myrene wrote to Edna, and stuff it into your pocket. Then you carry Edna outside... Place her in the car as she drove down. Drive it into the garage. Close the garage doors, leaving the motor running. You wait. Later that same night, you drive Edna's body back to town in her car. Put it in the garage. Again, leave the motor running as you close the garage doors. Sorry, Edna. Hello. All of us are proud of our hometowns, and rightly so. In this brief moment before we continue with our program, we'd like to offer a salute to one of our hometowns in America, Indianapolis, Indiana. Capital of the state and a great transportation center, Indianapolis' extensive trade is based on the rich territory which surrounds it. Large coal fields, tremendous deposits of building stone, 
and one of the richest sections of corn and wheat in the world. But perhaps one of the best-known features of the city to the world at large is the Indianapolis Speedway. It was built in 1909 as a proving ground for automobiles, and each Memorial Day, the famous 500-mile race is held there. From the experience gained in this annual event have come many improvements in automobiles. Every time you used your rear vision mirror, every time you filled your tank with ethyl gasoline, every time you appreciated the comfort of your improved tires, you were giving credit to something that was first used on that speedway. Indianapolis has its famous citizens, too. Benjamin Harrison, the 23rd president of the United States, called it his hometown. So did James Whitcomb Riley, the great Hoosier poet. And it was the birthplace of General Walter Beadle Smith, chief of staff of the American forces in Europe during World War II. Nearly half a million people live in Indianapolis today, and they're proud of the part their hometown has played in the building of America. And now, back to The Whistler. You've carried it off very well, haven't you, Charles? The role of the worried husband, concerned over his wife's whereabouts. And your phone call to the police brings quick results. An hour later, the sheriff calls on you at the house on Lido Isle, quietly informs you of your wife's death, carbon monoxide in the garage of your home in town. You continue to play the part now of the grief-stricken husband, and inwardly you're pleased. Certain your performance has more than convinced the sheriff. And then... Uh, Mr. Gilbert, you said you were alone down here last night. Yes, that's right. I I waited all night for my wife to show up. You sure she didn't? No, of course not. She's never set foot in this house. I bought it only a few days ago, shortly before she went on her vacation. I see. Uh, why? Why Why did you ask me that? I was just looking at the painting of that dragon. Impressionistic stuff, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I understand your wife was always drawing. Quite a doodler. Yeah. It was just, just a nervous habit, though. I was sort of wondering about that dragon design. Looks kind of familiar. It's an original. Yeah? Sure is different. It was a present for my wife. She... She didn't even get to see it. Yeah. Maybe you better have a look at this. A letter? No letter. Just an envelope. It's addressed to your wife. From someone named Myrene Walker. We found it in your wife's coat pocket. Well, what about it? Turn it over. All right, but I don't... Now, I'd say that drawing was the work of a nervous doodler, wouldn't you, Mr. Gilbert? And if your wife never set foot in this house, how is it the sketch on the back of that envelope is a doodler's copy of that weird dragon painting on the wall? Well, Mr. Gilbert...
Featured in tonight's story were Bill Foreman as the Whistler, Lorene Tuttle, Jack Edwards, Lois Corbett, and Jack Moyles. The Whistler, directed by Gordon T. Hughes, with music by Wilbur Hatch, is written and produced by Joel Malone and transmitted overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Services. The Whistler was entirely fictional, and all characters portrayed on The Whistler are also fictional. Any similarities of names or resemblance to persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.